from San Diego, California, it's the Frug Life Podcast with your host, Ricky Hershey. Alright, welcome to the Frug Life. As promised and much anticipated, today I am talking about Tony Robbins' book, Money, Master the Game, Seven Simple Steps to Financial Freedom. And now just to start, the book is, let's see how many pages this is, 656 pages. That's including a little index at the back. But the book is huge. I certainly can't talk about it comprehensively, but there are a few topics I wanted to address in the podcast. So overall, I have some mixed feelings about the book. I think some of the information Tony Robbins presents is pretty good. I think a lot of his interviews with these really smart um, like thought leaders in finance and these, I don't know, just the the big guys, you know. And I think any personal finance book is typically a pretty good start. That being said, I think Tony Robbins likes to get a little caught up in the salesmanship of the book, so to speak. And what I mean by that is Tony Robbins, if you haven't seen his content like online or even in person, I haven't because it costs a ton of money to go to a Tony Robbins event. But if you've seen his content online, he is a fantastic presenter. He really engages with people and really creates a, a program that is um, really captivating, usually. If you haven't seen his Netflix show, or the Netflix documentary about him, I should say, I Am Not Your Guru, I would recommend it. It's pretty good. And Tony Robbins isn't just a, like, finance guru or whatever. He's, um like, more of a uh, self-help, personal helper, so- something like that, helper. I don't know. Anyways, there's a lot of things in the book that Tony hypes up. He talks about throughout the book. And some of them, it takes like hundreds of pages for you to actually get to the thing that he's telling you. Like, for instance, Tony Robbins talks about three assets that have limited downside and 90% of the upside potential of the stock market. And he talks about these over and over again. And he finally reveals that they are structured notes market-linked CDs, and fixed-indexed annuities. And like I was saying before, Tony talks up these three assets throughout the book, even calling them things like the, the secret tools that the wealthy use to build and maintain their wealth. So all of these were somewhat news to me. Some of them are pretty easy to follow. In general, though, they're all types of investments that follow equity indexes or the stock market at large to provide a greater return than if you were to invest in a traditional CD. And let me just talk about that for a second. So there's traditional CDs that provide a fixed interest rate, right? And then there's these market-linked CDs. So they're certificates of deposit with variable interest rates determined by the stock market. Let me go through the other two for just a little more context. A structured note is a debt security issued by financial institutions, and it has a return based on equity indexes or 
interest rates or the price of some commodities or whatever you choose, whatever it's structured around. So the return of the structured note is linked to the performance of the underlying assets that you've selected it to be structured around. So if you were to choose the stock market, right, as the stock market goes up, the return on your structured note goes up too. And then last, Tony talks about fixed income annuities. So these are tax-deferred long-term savings option. It has a lot more growth potential than a fixed annuity. It has principal protection in a down market, meaning that you won't lose what you put into it. And it still has quite a bit of the growth potential. And basically the idea of it is that a insurance company will issue this. And as you and a bunch of people contribute money, a set portion of that money goes to the future returns of the plan. And then a smaller portion of that money will go into buying options on the market at large. So if the market at large goes up, these options become executable and become worth a lot more money, which is where the upside potential comes from. Honestly, I still need to do more research onto these three types of assets since I'm not intimately familiar with them, partly because you can't really get them at a standard like brokerage. Well, since I'm here and got you hooked on the Tony Robbins book, maybe I will pull a Tony Robbins right now. Let me talk about something I'm going to talk about later in the podcast, which is Ray Dalio's All Seasons Portfolio Asset Allocation. So this is the way Ray Dalio advises everyday people to invest their money that mimics one of his funds. And if you don't know who Ray Dalio is, he created Bridgewater. He has invested, I don't know, his billions of dollars, manages billions and billions of dollars, and is probably one of the most successful people in finance of all time. So all of that and more after the break. All right, welcome back. Tony Robbins also has some interesting insight in his book. Now he talks about the idea investing incrementally and not in a large chunk to help protect you against the risk of volatility through time. And just the idea here is that if you had $10,000, you could invest it all in one day, or you could invest it month by month, investing $1,000 each month for like 10 months. And there's pluses and minuses to both, which Tony Robbins talks about. One thing to consider is, you know, with this coronavirus scare, this market dropped down like quite a bit. So if you invested that $10,000 right before the scare, you'd be like a little sad right now because the market's pretty down. You could have invested more now and your money would have gone a lot further and your original investment has gone down quite a bit. So instead of investing all at once, you could invest a little by little breaking up your whole payment into smaller amounts. The idea behind this is called dollar cost averaging. And Tony gives an example of two volatile stock markets and asks which one is better for you. And in the first example, he has a stock that starts at $100, goes down to 60, stays at 60, shoots up to 140, and ends in its fifth year at $100. So starting at 100, going down, down, 
up, down. All right. And then for example two, the market starts at 100 in the first year, goes to 110, then 120, 130, and then ends at 140 in the final year, the fifth year. And then he asks the reader, which one of these index funds is better for you? And surprisingly, the answer is number one, the index that goes up and down and all over the place. Because when you're buying in on those years at $60, when it jumps back up to 100, you have huge upside. Versus the stable index actually has less growth potential because it just keeps moving up steadily. So the, the gist of this story, though, this example, though, is that even if something seems a little volatile, it's not necessarily the worst thing. In fact, volatility may help you as you invest over a long period of time, mostly because risk comes with reward, right? If you invest in a volatile asset, that is, if it has systematic risk versus idiosyncratic risk, right, it will give you a better return because risk warrants reward. All right, let's move on to another topic of Tony Robbins' book. Tony Robbins says the 4% rule is dead. And the 4% rule is a rule of thumb, oftentimes cited by uh, people who want to retire, that in your retirement each year, you can withdraw 4% of your retirement amount. But Tony Robbins doesn't like this rule. And he paints a really good picture showing that someone who started withdrawing at 4% in 2000 uh, would have run out of money long before they would probably like to. Like I said before in an earlier episode, one of the most difficult situations to be in is being old and broke. So just another thing to consider, like the whole theme of last week's episode, retirement has changed, and maybe this 4% rule is one of the things that has changed. Tony Robbins has a lot of problems with the traditional asset allocation, which is where part of his criticism of the 4% rule is. A traditional asset allocation might be stocks and bonds. But Tony Robbins advocates something a little bit different. Tony Robbins talks and talks up Ray Dalio's all-weather portfolio. But finally, hundreds and hundreds of pages into the book, he reveals it. Okay, so here I am on page 391 of the book, and here is Ray Dalio's all-season portfolio. 30% stock, 15% U.S. intermediate bonds, 40% long-term U.S. bonds, 7.5% gold, 7.5% commodities. Now, Ray Dalio gives some explanation for why to invest like that. He looks at a chart looking at two items, growth and inflation, and then breaking it up into two scenarios, a rising environment and a falling environment. And so different asset classes perform better in different scenarios, right? So for instance, if growth is rising, stocks perform well. Another example is that as inflation decreases, right, treasury bonds become more valuable and increase in value. So this portfolio does well in all four possible scenarios, which is why it's called, you know, the all seasons, all weather portfolio. All right. Well, I'm kind of going through things quickly because it's a big book and there's a lot to cover in it. So let me cover just a few more ideas real quick. 
Another big theme of the book is that Tony Robbins separates everything into three buckets, right? You have a safety bucket, a risk slash growth bucket, and a dream bucket. And it goes through this whole process detailing each bucket. But basically, the safety bucket are things that won't lose their value, that they're safe, right? Things like U.S. Treasury bonds, for instance, would fit into a safe bucket. Some of those special three assets that we described before could fit into a safe bucket. Your money in your bank would fit into a safe bucket, although it's probably not the best investment. But in some ways, that's not the point of the safety bucket, right? The safety bucket is there to provide liquidity when we need it. The next is the risk slash growth bucket. And so here we find things like U.S. equities, right? Things that have risk to them, but also have much higher growth potential. The last bucket Tony talks about is the dream bucket. And he says in his book, what's a dream bucket? It's where you set aside something for yourself and those you love so that all of you can enjoy life while you're building your wealth. It's something for today, not tomorrow. So really, it's um, spending money today. Uh, life, of course, isn't about saving all of your money, pinching every penny, right? You should spend money on things that you enjoy, things that bring benefit to you. So you don't have to live like a Spartan all the time. But if living like a Spartan makes you happy and gives you a goal to work forward to, that's okay too. Your splurge purchases can be quite small and still suffice. Tony Robbins, like I mentioned before, also meets with many important people in the finance space. One of them was John Bogle. John advocates standing there in the sense that you invest and you forget about it. Invest in low-cost index funds and then just forget about them. John is the creator of the index fund. And all of this because of a unique situation he was in, where he was not permitted to manage a fund, but he did have the ability to create a fund. And so what he did is quite genius. He created a fund that would just manage itself. So an example of an index is the S&P 500, which is a set of 500 of the largest stocks in the United States. There's a set of criterion to be met to be on the S&P 500, which isn't super important for the podcast today. But what an index fund that is based on the S&P 500 will do is invest in those 500 companies, holding all of the stocks in the S&P 500. Now, also not critical for today, but the allocation the index fund uses is not based on the number of shares or investing the same dollar amount into each stock. It's usually weighted based on the market capitalization of each stock. So for example, if you look at two companies in the S&P 500, an example is Microsoft, which on the chart I'm looking at right now is the highest weighted company. It has a weighting of 4.89% basically. So 4.89% of all the money in the S&P 500 is invested in Microsoft versus just under 1% is invested in Under Armour Class C shares. And now I know I've said the S&P 500, but actually it may or may not be invested in a slightly different number of securities than just that. The chart I'm looking at right now has 505 securities. 
Okay, well, I think this episode has gone on quite a while. The book is huge, and honestly, if I were to really get into the details of the book, it would go on very long. But to summarize, I think the book is pretty good. There's a lot you can learn from it. I will say the book is a little daunting. It's pretty long, and Tony sure has a way of hyping things up. I will say that. So if you have time, check it out, or, I mean, just re-listen to this episode. I think that's enough frugal tips for this week. We had some great insight on asset allocation from Ray Dalio that I think is definitely worth thinking about. Oh, and I will say Tony Robbins does introduce other ways to think about asset allocation as well throughout the book, and it's a bit of a journey. So check it out. All right. Have a great week. Stay frugal. (music) 